journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. that everybody has their bags packed because we are going on a trip of a lifetime. In fact, we are tripping with our forefather, um, Yaakov Avinu, and um, he's about to take a trip of a very long cosmic lifetime because he's about to bid farewell to his brother, Asaph, who he dreaded in visiting um, and in encountering again because Asaph wanted to kill him. And um, now he, this is the point where he's going to say goodbye to Asav, and as we are going to see, as we go through the verses, it's going to take him a long while until we actually land up back again um, confronting Asav. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. If you'd like to join at 34519 is our SMS line 061-895-1019, our telegram number. Come on, let's hear that you're listening out there. Don't just tell me when I meet you in the parking lot. Let's have this conversation live on 101.9 High FM. We are going to uh, be starting to uh, look inside the verses of Genesis. Um, You can have a look on chapter 33. And we are going to start on verse 8. Chapter 33, verse 8. We were at the point of where Jacob meets Asaph physically. He tries to kiss him, but it really wasn't a kiss. It was trying to go for the jugular. He doesn't um, <clears throat> manage to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to kill him. And uh, he then like does a 180-degree turn and decides, well, he better be nice because it would be horrible if he was still very horrible. And he raises up his eyes and he sees the woman and the children and the two maidservants and their children, Leah and her children, and finally Yosef and his mother come forward and they bow down before Asaph. Okay, so picking up on verse 8. Vayomer, this is Asaph speaking. Mi lecha kol hamachane hazeh asher pagashti. What do you do? What, what do you have to do with this whole camp that has greeted me? So, Vayomer, uh, uh, Yaakov responds, Limtochen be'enei Adonai. It is to gain favor in my Lord's eyes. Vayomer Esav. Esav says, Yeshli Rav Achi. Yehi lecha Ashelach. Listen, my brother, I have a lot. I have plenty. Let what you have remain yours. Remember that Yaakov greeted Esav with a whole lot of booty, gave him a tithe, 550 different animals to give to him. Um, and he's just about to also give him some more jewels, etc., etc. He says, nah, leave me alone. Um, leave me alone. Um, I have a lot. But Yomer Yaakov, Yaakov disagrees and he says, Alna imna matzati chen be'necha velakachti minchati miyadi ki alken ra'iti panecha kirot panei Elohim mitirtseini. He says, no, 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 no. Please know if I have gained favor in your eyes, take my gift from my own hand. If for no other reason than seeing your face is like seeing the face of the divine, and you have received me so favorably, and he pushes the message forward even further by saying 
קחנה את ברכתי אשר הובאת לך כי חונני אלוקים כי כל וכי יש לי כל ויבצר בו וייקח. He says, please accept my blessing as it was brought to you. God has been kind to me for I have everything. And he nudged him and Asaph took it. Now, there's a few interesting things here, but there is a fascinating lesson to learn. The first thing is, is that um, you can see here, Uh, Asaph now refuting the gifts of Yaakov and Yaakov twisting his hands and saying, I have, you know, I, I, you take it. Um, I've, I've, it's amazing that I've seen you. It looks like I've got an encounter with God. That was him just uh, schlopping him up, flattering him. Please take it. And in fact, some of Farshim go and say, why was he being so insistent? Because besides all the, the, the loads of animals, the 550 animals that, were, that he sent forward, Um, to, 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 what's her name? To pacify Asaph. He also now was trying to give him jewels and precious stones. And you're saying, take from my hand, because I know the animals are nothing and I know the animals don't really touch sides for you, but I'm also giving you jewels and precious stones. But as always, and this is why it is important to learn the Bible in its original. Because it is very concise, it's very terse, it says what it has to say and it doesn't say more. But in not saying it or saying it very, very um, concisely, one can learn so much. Look what Asaph says when he says, no, nah, I don't want to take your stuff. He says, yesh li rav, I have plenty. Two verses down, when you go and see what Yaakov says, He says, yes, li, kol, I have everything. This, ladies and gentlemen, all our high FM listeners, is a very, very powerful lesson. There is a difference when you say, I have a lot, I have plenty, and when you say, I have everything. And I think that one of the, one of the, the things that we do not realize is that material want, material desire, is an unending pursuit. The Gemara tells us that if you have a hundred, if a man has a hundred, he will want two hundred. But when he has two hundred, he will want four hundred, and so forth and so on. Meaning that we pursue our lives um, for material gain all the time when we are First married, we've got a little house, and then we've got a bigger house, and then we want a holiday house, and then we want an investment house, and then we've got this car, but then we want that car. When we've got this dress, we want that dress, and then we want these shoes, and we want bed thing, and so forth and so on. We carry on, on and on and on, and we never ever stop wanting things. And you can see that many, many, many people have um, a lot. They have plenty. And they are still unbelievably unhappy. And this is what the Torah is telling us. When you say, Yeshli Rav, I have plenty, there it's, it's open-ended because plenty will never be enough. When and where does one come to the point of saying, Yeshli Kol, I have everything? I'm going to throw that question out to you. Tell me what, how you would answer if I said to you, when do you come to the point where you say, Yeshli 
Carl, I have everything. Or do you believe that life is about Yeshli Rav, I have plenty, and that we con- continue to pursue getting more and more and more? Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. You guys out there, a question of what is the difference between Yeshli Rav and Yeshli Kol? I have everything. Um, with regard to material wealth. Do you have plenty or do you have everything? And how does one know when to draw the line? I'd love to hear your thoughts. 34519-061-895-1019. I'm going to leave the SMS line and Telegram line open for a while. We're going to get back to that question in just a while. Let's just carry on and have a, a further discussion, which is actually quite a fascinating one, um, because obviously you, you can see at the end of what we just said that Asav acquiesces and takes from Yaakov the precious stones. Now we're going to go look at verse 12. Vayomer, um, and so now Asav says to him, Nisa venelecha veelcha lenegdecha. Let us move on and let's go. I will travel alongside you. So it seems now that they've come to some to- some sort of reconciliation and Esav wants to travel with Yaakov. What does Yaakov answer? By Yomer love, he says, Adoni yodea ki hayeladim rakim vehatson vehabakar alois alai utfakum yomechad vametu kol hatson. You know my servant, my lord, that my children, that the children are weak, that I have responsibility for nursing sheep and cattle, and if they are driven hard, <coughs> excuse me, for even one day, all the sheep will die. Yavona Adoni Lifne Avdoi, let my servant go ahead of of of, of me, Vani Et Nahala Leiti Leregel. And I will lead my group slowly, following the pace of the work that is ahead of me. And I will catch up to my Lord in Seir. Basically, Yaakov was saying, I can't. Um, I've got like a huge camp. My children are weak. I've got nursing animals. I can't push them hard. I can't go get to Seir. With you, go ahead, my brother. Go there, and I will meet you. I'll, I will, I will get to you. I'll meet you someday in the future. Now, what really does all of this mean? All of a sudden, Esav is so reconciled with Yaakov that he wants to travel with him. And what's in Seir? Why are they going there? So, as always in Torah, we have a the biblical. Uh, Mandate that it's not all what you see is what you get. There is a tremendous amount behind it, and that's why I teach um, you Chumash with Midrash because Midrash gives a tremendous uh, more of the story than we no- normally get. What was Esav really saying to Yaakov? He was saying, "I want to travel alongside you, and I want to share your portion in the world to come, and in return, I'm going to make you." a partner here in this world. Remember that 
when Yaakov received the blessings, the birthright, he got this world and the next world. Asab only got this world, though he got a bigger portion. Um, and so Yaakov, in responding to him, was basically saying, why are you slowing yourself down because of me? Go ahead, go full speed ahead, enjoy this world. Enjoy what it is that you want from this world. And this re the reason why I have not gone and answered what situation is better, Yeshli Rav or Yeshli Kol, I have plenty or I have everything, is because this ensuing discussion actually gives a lot more perspective on the different ways that Esav and Yaakov saw the world. Yaakov being a tzaddik was very happy to do, have very little to do with this world. Okay. And he wanted to leave his blessings for his descendants, for what they needed. And he was basically working for a much greater reward. And that, as we know, is the world to come. He also knew that, um, his father had blessed him that Asab would eventually be his servant and that he didn't have to worry about this world because he's got this world and the world to come. One of the other things the Midrash tells us is that Asab said to him, are you not afraid of all my troops? Are you not afraid of all the kings and the emperors that I will have in every generation? They're all going to come persecute you. To which Yaakov replied, I'm going to go slowly. I'm going to lead my family slowly, following the pace of the work I have ahead. Uh, I have patience. I will take on the yoke of the exile. I'll speak gently to my persecutors and go slowly. And even if they harm me, I will, you know, I, I will, I will manage to survive and I will maneuver my way until the storm has passed and I will meet you at the end of times. Meeting at the end of times is the metaphor for meeting at Seir. Um, so it says, and how do we know that? <coughs> Excuse me. In Ovadia it says, rescuers shall climb up Mount Sion to judge Mount Seir. Har Sion and Har Seir. The Jews will be found, or we found living on, Har Sion, and they will then come to Har Seir, and there will be a reckoning there. This entire discussion has many, many facets to it. The first is, it is a discussion about how a Jew should uh, 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 see the world, how, what they should be pursuing in their lives. If you believe that you live you're here for 80, 90, 120 years, and when you're gone, you're gone, then you're going to be a person whose perspective is is that I only have 120 years on this planet. I might as well amass as much as possible that I can get, both for myself and if I'm more giving, also for my children. A Jewish person understands that this world isn't the be-all and the end-all. In fact, this world is just simply a corridor to the world to come. It's like coming to a huge palace and you have to walk through the corridor in order to get to the king's throne room. This world, this 120-year existence that we have in this world, Olam Hazeh, this world, is a temporary world. It is just a 
a, a, um, a schooling, if you would like to call that, a learning experience of what we should and can achieve um, in the world to come. And what do we achieve and get in the world to come? A much, much greater existence, a much more beautiful existence, an existence which acknowledges God. And our reward is when we get to the world to come and we have accomplished, we have learned the lessons that we needed to, to be more spiritually sensitive to who we are and what we are and who is God, etc., etc. Sadly, unfortunately, we lose the plot in this world and we do not take this world as just a, a, a learning curve. It's not, it's not used as a vehicle for learning. It's a, used as a world of amassing. So in that sense, um, we have answered the question of how does a Jew live? Yeshli Rav or Yeshli Kol? I have plenty or I have enough. If you are a person who thinks that this is the be-all and the end-all, you will get to a place, please God, that you will have plenty, but plenty is open-ended. If you have a 100, you'll want 200. And when you have 200, you'll want 400, etc., etc., etc. You will keep on pursuing material success. And if it's not material, it could be on honor. It could be prestige. It could be anything that you think that you need to make things better, bigger, more amazing, more fulfilling in this world, and you will have lost the plot. You might come to a point where you say, Yeshli, Rav, I have plenty. But your plenty is open-ended. How many times have I seen somebody who's only earning a thousand rand wishing they'll earn ten thousand rand? And then the person who has ten thousand rand wishes they'd earn fifty thousand. And when it's fifty, they want a hundred and fifty. And when you speak to the person who's hundred and fifty, they'll tell you they're not making ends meet. They need two hundred and fifty. And the person with two hundred and fifty will say they'll need more money. They need three hundred. It's the way of the world. I, I, I'd love to know if you agree or disagree, but that certainly um, is my experience. It doesn't matter how much you've got; you'll always want more. A Jew, however, has to wake up every morning and say, Yeshli Kol, I have everything. That is a completely different perspective. That is the perspective of when you say, I have everything that God deems necessary for me right now. Listen again. I have everything that God deems necessary for me to have right now. Ah, I don't have that fancy home or I don't have the clothes that I need or the food, or whatever, whatever it is that you have in lack. It's because you don't need that right now. God has given you what it is you need to function right now. But you could argue, I need food on my table to survive. You're right. But maybe there is no food on your table because Hashem is begging the question of, now that you have no food on the table, who are you going to turn around to to ask for that food? Lots of times... We are looking in the wrong places for what we need to fulfill, to have ourselves fulfilled. Think about it, okay? Um, look at something that is a lack in your life right now. Something that you feel that you need, and it doesn't necessarily have to be material. Lots of things are material, but sometimes it's not material. And you don't have it, and you can't get it. And it's just, what do you do? Well, there's two, two things to it. One is that you um, accept it, 
because Hashem has deemed that you can't have it right now. And the second is to find out where is it that I can get it from or have that lack fulfilled. And the only place is Hashem. Yes, you have to do what we call your hishtadlos, which means you have to put in the effort to try and go and get things. But ultimately, a Jewish viewpoint is yeshli kol. I have everything. And that brings us also to another point, that you're in a state of gratitude. You're in a state of saying thank you every day for the things that you do have. And trust me, for the large majority of us, we have much more than we actually show gratitude for. Just having a roof over our heads, having running water, electricity, food on the table, clothes to keep us warm. Um, you know, the, the, the basic simplicities of, 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 of things that some people just actually don't have in their lives. Do we get up in the morning and say, yes, I have everything. Thank you, Hashem. Or do we wake up in the morning saying, yes, yes, of course I have a roof over my head and clothes to wear, but I, that's not enough. I need and you try to find that need. So that really is the answer. A Jew lives by Yeshli Kol. The secular world lives by Yeshli Rav. I have plenty. And when I have plenty, I need more and more and more. And so intertwined in this story is an amazing lesson. Yaakov is saying, no, I'm not coming with you, Esav. Okay, Yaakov representing the Jewish people. Esav representing the Western world. I'm not coming with you. You partake as much as you want of, of, of the world. And yes, did the Western world, did the civilized world, did the Christian world partake of the gold and the glamour and the richness? Yes, they did. But says Yaakov, I'm going to go much, much slower. It's going to be a longer process for me because, heck, it's much, much harder to live with the attitude of Yeshli Kol than Yeshli Rav, right? To wake up every morning and just being in a state of gratitude for what you have or that you, that, that you should come to a state of understanding you have everything you need for the day is a far more deeper. It's a, it's, a, it's a much more harder concept to come to than keep on saying, well, I don't have this. I have plenty, but I need, I need, I need, I need this. I need this. I want this. I need that. Yaakov saying to Esav, we're not going to follow the way of the secular world where we are in material pursuit because we're not. We're in pursuit of spiritual rewards, of rewards that are not what you see is what you get. They're not tangible. They are understanding that we're here in the processes of learning and educating ourselves because, hey, this world is only a corridor for the world to come. And so he says to Asav, I'll see you. You go your way, I'll go mine. But we have very, very different missions. We have very, very different ways of looking out at the world. What do you think about that? Are you a Yeshli Rav or Yeshli Kol person? You can SMS on 34519 or 0618951019. Have you ever even thought about it? What type of Jew are you? What type of person are you? You don't have to be a Jew to be like this. What type of person are you? Do you appreciate the beauty around you? Do you appreciate what it is that you have? Or are you in pursuit? And I'm not going to put your names over air, but would love you to share your comments. The story, however, is even deeper than that. 
And this discussion not only is about the pursuit of materiality versus spirituality. It's not about um, the fact that, um, you know, we don't see eye to eye with Esau, which, by the way, because we were blessed by um, Yitzchak, we've got both this world and the world to come, which means it doesn't mean that a person who wants to be a, um, a an observant Jew is a person who's not allowed to surround himself with nice things. On the contrary, um, we Jewish people are very, very much grounded in our physicality, in our materiality. But there's one little but to it. What we do with our materiality is that we take our materiality in the pursuit of spirituality. So you'll see lots of things in Judaism is about take the lulav and the etrog, you know, um, light the candle and the menorah, eat challah and meat and wine on Shabbos. These are all physical things that we do. Get married, have children. We do the physical, but the physical is a vehicle in order for us to, um, to, to, to get to spirituality. So that is, um, that is where this conversation really was with Asav and Yaakov. There is a much, much deeper one, and that has to do with the world as a whole on a cosmic level. And you're going to hear that right after this break. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, uh, this is Adel Kozilski, and uh, we're talking about if you have plenty or you have everything. Um, and I would um, ask everybody to think about it and say, I have everything. Everything that you have today is exactly what it is that you need to live this life. Thanks for all your replies. Let's look at it now on a much, much deeper level of Asav meeting Yaakov. This is about the end of days. And this is a very, very important discussion because, ladies and gentlemen, we're starting to see this very, very much in front of our eyes. Understand, Asav represents, as we've said so many times on the show, Edom. Edom, the Romans, the Roman Empire, and then from the Roman Empire, all the descendants that moved onto there, um, onwards from there, that being the, the 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 Western world, the civilized world as we know it, the Christian world as we know it, primarily. And what we what we know as well is that once the Romans destroyed the Jewish Temple, the Second Temple, we went into Galut Edom. The Roman um, exile or the, 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 the Edomite exile. And we have been there for 2,000 years. So a- Yaakov's words to Asaph were prophetic. I have young children. I have nursing goats and camels and I cannot push them too hard. Leave me alone. I will see you at the end of time. I will meet you there up in Seir. What was, what was Yaakov really saying? Yaakov was saying, I have to transverse, I have to go, I have to, my, my, my people have to cross through the Edomite exile. And in that exile, very much like Asaph said, are you going to deal with all the kings and the emperors and all the persecutions and holocausts that are going to be, you know, be found in, in, in your ways? And he says, I know they're going to be difficult, but I'm going to have to do it step by step, little by little. For my nation is young, my children are young. Yaakov was starting the Jewish people, and the Jewish people would have to go through a very, very long road of maturation and understanding of who they are 
and their connection with God before we will land up in the Messianic um, era, in the time where we will have, so to speak, arrived. And that's what we've done for 2,000 years. We have found ourselves in every single corner of this world where we have gone to elevate the godly sparks, where we have tried to bring good and, and kindness and be a light unto the nation everywhere. And today when we look back on history, we look back at our exile, our 2,000-year exile, you can see that we've been in every corner of this world. We have suffered tremendous trials and tribulations, assimilations and, 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 and holocausts, expulsions, massacres, but we're here and we are still contributing to this world in a very, very um, positive, positive way and 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 um trying to be a light unto humanity and now we are coming to the point where the jewish people are going to meet the christian people at harseir we started seeing the light of that last year when president trump signed the 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 abraham accords and he not only brought himself as representative of the edomite nation but even the Yishmaelite nation to the world. And that's what got people really, really excited. There will come a point in time where Yaakov will meet up with Esau. And I believe the Jewish people have met up with the Western world. In fact, today you look at Israel and you'll see that Israel um, has is a light unto the nation in so many ways. There are so many videos and so many tweets and so many um, you know, Facebook post, post, uh, uh, posts about how we've invented this and how we are bringing water to Africa and how we've got incredible rescue teams and how we are the top of technology and how we are with all of these things because the Jew has come to himself. He's, they, we have grown up. We have transversed the world. We have um, been faithful to God and we're coming to the point in time where we can meet the non-Jewish nations um, as the light unto the nations and meet them on Har Seir. And so Yaakov, that was his message to, to, to Esau. We've got a lot to do in Galut. We've got a lot to do in exile. And I've got a big nation. They're young. They're nursing. They're learning. They're having to receive the Torah. They have to establish the yeshivas. They have to establish their, their, their Torah. All of these things have to happen. But we will come a point in time where we will meet you and we will come ad Asher Avo al Adoni Seira until I come to my Lord in Seir. So those I think are the two most powerful um, lessons. Um, just to conclude though, one of the things that um, you can see is that Asaph argues this point because he very much still wants to be part of even the materialistic pursuit of the Jewish people. And he says to Asaph, as, to Yaakov, sorry. Vayomer Esav, atziga na imcha min ha'am asher iti. Let me leave some of my people who are with me at your disposal. Like he still wanted to be part of it because he knew in his heart of hearts from the birthright blessings that Yaakov got, that Yaakov was also going to have domination in the material world. Vayomer Yaakov responds to him, lama ze emtachen ve'enei adani. Lama, what for? Let me just find favor in your eyes, okay? Um, he, he had a, a distrust. He had a distrust of Esav, and he refused to take his 
offering. And so what happens as it concludes? By Yasha Bayom Hahu, Esav Ladarko Seira. On that day, Esav continued on his way to Seir. The question that we can quickly ask is, what happened to his 400 men? 400 men came with him, and now he leaves alone. Well, the Midrash tells us that all the men who had come with Esav actually deserted him, because initially, how did Esav acquire their cooperation? He said to them, come, let's all go out and greet Yaakov. And then when they understood that Esav had very nefarious plans, he wasn't going to do what he wanted to do, you know, he wasn't being honest about it. They, and when they also saw Yaakov in person and they recognized him as such an unbelievably holy individual, and then when they saw how uh, Esav kissed, they figured, ah, this Esav is full of nothing. They deserted him and they left him by themselves. They got really, really, really nervous, okay? And so they ran away. I've always said to you, and we've spoken about it before, I think it was last week or the week before, that there's always cosmic justice, right? Any any term, good or bad, will have a reward, good or bad. We spoke about the sun. Remember the sun um, rising early to heal Yaakov um, when he got hit in the hip, and that was when the sun went down, um, early when he was Bahara Maria. So these 400 men actually escaped. How did they get rewarded? Well, God rewarded um, these same 400 men, we are told, and it could just be that they were reincarnated, escaped when King David battled the Philistines. Um, and he, they, 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 they managed to be saved simply because they landed up um, running away from Yaakov and recognizing Yaakov. Finally, I will read the verse and then just after the break we will get to the last part. Verse 17 reads, By Yaakov Nasa Sukata, Yaakov travels to a place called Sukkot, by Yiven Lobayit, he built for himself a house, the Leknik Nehu Asa Sukkot, and for his livestock he made shelters, Alken Karashem Hamakom Sukkot, and that's why he named the place Sukkot. I'll give you a bit of an explanation just after this. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back. We've got just a few minutes. So what does it mean that he now went? It's interesting. He built for himself a house and he built Sukkot for his livestock. And therefore he called the place Sukkot. Really? Why, why are you calling the name after the shelters, these flimsy shelters? So this again is the entire theme of Yeshli Ko and Yeshli Rav. I have plenty or I have everything. Yaakov, when he was building his home, I mean, one, 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 one opinion says he built a fortified castle so he'd be safe from Asav, um, etc. But the majority of opinions hold that, um, it didn't make sense that Yaakov would name the place Sukkot because of the, the flimsy shelters that he built for his animals. So why does it say he built a house? Following our theme, that Yaakov was only interested in building himself a house, meaning it wasn't a house, a physical house of bricks and mortar. His entire goal was to build a house, to construct for himself a permanent structure in the world to come. And how did he do that? By keeping Torah and mitzvahs in this world. That's Yaakov's permanent environment. And the metaphor here is the house. But his livestock... 
his other business needs, he made temporary temporary shelters. He gave no thought to the worldly, and that's why he called the place Sukkot. Some say that he remained at Sukkot for 18 months. Others say that he remained there for nine years. And some even go further and say that during those um, the entire period that he was there, he sent Asaph gifts because he was still afraid of him. That's that's the view of a Jew. So the lesson today, the lesson today is can you wake up in the morning and say, Yeshli Kol, I have everything. So ponder that and I'll be back next week, same time, same place.